everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Only God, only God could have done that. No one else could have done that. Going from 75 people to six campuses plus online that travels around the world, plus a work in the Middle East for 20 years of where this past year we saw over 6,500 people place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Middle East, all right, unbelievable. Serving and, and, and helping way over 1,000 kids around the world, ensuring that they get medical attention, education, that they get spiritual formation, and they learn about Jesus Christ. Thousands of people coming to know Jesus and being strengthened and helped. Marriages being healed. The list could go on and on and on. And when I stop and I think about all that God has done, I'm humbled and I'm amazed and I'm blown away. I don't know why. shouldn't be because he's great. He's good and he's generous, but he has done an incredible work in our communities and literally around the world. And one of the things that, that God has taught me, and I need to be retaught over and over again, is to never shy away when God asks you to step out in faith. I tell my kids all the time, you want my faith, got to have my story. Y'all all right? Because you got to have a storyline of God, of what he's done and how he has, has led and how he has provided and how he has never forsaken you. Life's not always easy. Life's difficult. Life's challenging. Life's not even fair. But we've seen him accomplish the impossible when we have attempted the improbable. And I believe he wants to do it again. I believe that the winds of God's spirit is blowing. I think that we saw that on an NFL field just a few hours away of where you had grown men kneeling and praying and weeping and asking God to intervene and nobody objected. And they continued to talk about it. And they continue still to talk about it. And then you learn about of a college uh, about six hours away in Kentucky, just in the hills of Kentucky, Asbury, of where they had a chapel service, and it's been going on for 10 days, people coming from all over the world, France, Ireland, England, Kenya, all over the world and all throughout the states coming just to be able to taste and to be able to experience the presence of God. And this is happening in, in, in students' lives who are 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. There's a hunger, there's a thirst, and God wants to do something incredible in and through you and us. I remember I was talking to a fellow and he asked me, he said, Dwight, he said, I don't know why I'm so blessed. And he kept asking me. And sometimes people ask you questions they don't really want you to answer. You know that, don't you? And so he asked me this question a number of times and I just said, you want filter or unfiltered on that? He said, well, give it to me unfiltered. And I said, well, God has blessed you to be a blessing. I said, spoil your wife, take care of your kids. Leave something for your grandkids. Proverbs talks about that. But I said, you have to come to a point in your life of saying, okay, God, how do you want me to leverage the blessings 
in my life for your kingdom and for your purpose. And then I told him, I said, don't die with a million dollars in the bank because I said, it takes no faith to leave God money. It takes faith to give God money while you're alive. He said, oh, okay. So we ended up meeting up a few months later and we were at Bob Evans and we were sitting across the table from one another. And he looked at me and he said, you have more influence than what you realize. And he said, you need to be more intentional with it. You need to leverage it. And that's the last thing I wanted to hear. I ran home to my wife. That's what I do when people say hard things to me. I run to my wife. And I told her, I said, babe, I said, I want to resign. I said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want any more responsibility. I don't want to continue to do this. Because I know that when you push against darkness, darkness pushes back. And so she talked me down off the ledge and, and we had this conversation and, and God was speaking to me and, and he brought up our, our youngest, Ben. He happened to be in, in coach pitch at that time. He's just a young little kid. And, and I was trying to help him understand the game of, of, of baseball. And, you know, I'd go watch him and, you know, the, the coach would pitch and, you know, strike one, strike two, strike three. And the bat would never leave his shoulder. And I told him, I said, Benny, I said, the name of the game is to swing the bat, not hit the ball. I said, all you got to do is swing the bat. And God told me, he said, you know what you told Benny? I said, yeah. He said, that's all I'm asking you to do. He said, I'm not asking you to hit the ball. He said, all I'm asking you to do is don't let the bat lay on your shoulder. Swing the bat, Dwight. And I said, I can do that. I can do that. And so when God speaks to me in however he does that, I try my best not to shy away. I try to muster up some courage and be able to, to leap out in faith and be able to say, okay, God, if this is of you, you're going to have to make it happen. You're going to have to make it work. You're going to have to do something. And we're at one of those times here in New Point. You see, the last few years, I've seen it like this. 2020, we've had a crisis, COVID. And, and it's just done an incredible unbelievable thing in our nation and literally in our world. And then in 2021, there was that adaptation. We were trying to adapt to this new, new normal, this, this new thing that was going on and how it affected churches, how it affected communities, how it affected lives, how it affected the workplace. And then in 2022 was what I would believe is a year of transition of where you're trying to make sense of it. You're trying to say, okay, never been here before, never done this before. How do you lead through something like that? And then I sense that in 2023, the year that we've just started is a year of opportunity. And opportunities have to be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. It comes and it goes. And if you don't seize it, then what happens is you miss it. And so my prayer has been that I wanna make a difference with people who want to make a difference, doing something that make a difference during a time that it will make the greatest difference. I believe that right now is for us. I believe the, the spirit of God is moving in incredible, unbelievable ways. And my prayer has been to my father in heaven is, pass me not, O gentle savior. Hear my humble cry. I don't want God to pass me by. I want him to dwell. I want him to reign. I want him to have first in my life. So we're kicking off a discipleship initiative called First. And a disciple is one who is disciplined. That's what it means, disciplined. They're in training. They're, 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 they're training for something. 
A disciple is one who follows Christ and allows him to train them in the way in which he would have them to be. And so I want to invite you to join me in this journey over the next five weeks of this discipleship initiative. Our primary goal is 100% engagement. I'm asking, I'm believing that everyone who calls New Point their home would be engaged in this discipleship initiative and that you would allow God to speak to you, that you would allow God to, to come by his spirit and melt your heart and speak to you and do a work in you that maybe he's never done before. And I, I, I believe that, that as we do that, um, you will be impacted and transformed in ways that you've never known before. As I think about this, I've, I've written down seven areas of my own life of engagement that, that I need to be fully engaged. One is spiritual. I, I need to be able to say, God, you know what? You said that if I would draw close to you, that you would draw close to me. And so I've, I've made a, a, a commitment that I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. I'm going to do that. I'm going to fast one day a week. There's other spiritual disciplines that I've come back that at times I've had them in the seasons of my life. But right now I feel God drawing me back to some spiritual disciplines that I need to reactivate in my life. My family, I want to love Patty better than I've ever loved her before. Hey, fellas, you want to know how much you love God? Ask your wife. Because you love God by, by demonstrating your love for her. Y'all right on that? And so I want to be more intentional in loving her. I want to be more sensitive to her needs and to her wants. I want to do that with my kids. I want to do that with my kids. And so, I, I, God, I, I want you to be first in my life so I can love my wife well. Because if you're not first in my life, I don't love her well. I don't, I don't lead my family well. And so I, I want my family to be able to grow. And the way for my family to be able to grow is for me to be fully engaged in allowing Jesus to be above all things and before all things. The career, you know, the work that we all do, that we're all involved in. God, I want to be able to leverage my platform. I want to leverage my influence and affluence for your kingdom. I want to use the career, the, the gifts, the talents that you've allowed me to, to build a career with, to, to bring honor and glory to you in the social. I, God, I, I want to be more salt and light than I've ever been in the communities, in the schools, in the areas that, that I live in, in my neighborhoods, with my neighbors. I want to be able to do that. I want to be a light that shines for you uh, physically. You know, God, I, I, I realize that my body is your temple. And, and, and I, I want to be able to take better care of it because if I take better care of it, I'm showing honor and I'm putting you first in that. So I need to, I need to be more attentive what I put in my body. I need to be able to make sure that I'm taking care of my body so that you can use me to the fullest and I can live a long life. Um, personal development. God, I, I want to be engaged with you because you're, you're a God that's ever teaching and leading. And I want to be able to develop myself, to be able to hear your voice. I want to be able to develop the skills and the gifts that you have, even to another degree. And then financially, I want you to be first in, 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 in my life financially. So Patty and I have prayed about that. And one of the things that, that we feel that, that God has led us to over the next two years of placing him first is to be able to say, okay, hey, you know what? God said, you know, I want you to give 50% of your income over the next two years back to New Point. Now, here's what you need to understand. That's not your standard. Everything that I mentioned from spiritual, family, career, social, physical, personal development, finance, that's not your standard. That's what God's calling me to. 
You have to ask him what he's calling you to. That's why I'm saying seven areas of engagement. You have to say, because if he's not first in all of those areas, he's not first. It doesn't matter if you have devotions. Doesn't matter if you pray. Doesn't matter if you speak in tongues. Doesn't matter. Okay, that, 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 all those things doesn't mean that God's first in your life. Okay, he has to be first in everything. He has to be above everything, before everything, or he's not. He's not there. And so that's our first uh, uh, goal. Our second goal is mission advancement. Mission advancement, because we believe that the local church is the hope of the world, living and teaching the truth of Jesus Christ. And so we have a mission, and mission takes funding, and big visions take big dollars. And so as we seek this 100% engagement, we want to be able to fulfill the vision that God's called us to. We've always been able to do that at New Point. That's why you're, you're at the campus that you're in, because people have had moments like this of where God has spoken to them. And so the, the, the first is before all things in our church, and that's $18 million over two years. It takes about $9 million to um, uh, keep the lifeblood flowing through our six campuses and our online ministry. You say, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But we want to be able to have before all things in our church, we want to have also before all things in our community. We want to be able to reach out. We want to be able to bless our, 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 our communities in incredible, unbelievable ways. And, and so we're, we're saying, hey, you know what? Um, um, if, if we could be able to give, give collectively 5.5 over two years, that would be phenomenal. And then before all things in our world, and that's 2.5 million over two years, and that is that that goes out throughout all over the world to be able to minister the love of Jesus Christ. And so the total is $26 million. Can you clear your throat? Huh? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But you know what? We've done it before. We've done it before. And I believe that, that as you put God, as I put God above all things, before all things, let's just see what he will do because it's going to cause you and I to be able to, to allow him to speak to us and be able to declare Jesus as first in our life. When, I, when, when, when we were working on this number and, and being able to lay out the plans and it's there in your book, you know, um, and I saw that number, fear gripped me. And fear started taking a hold of me. And I, I knew exactly what I needed to do. I needed to go to fasting and prayer. Because you haven't done all that you can do until you fasted and prayed. And so God called me on a 15-day fast of nothing but liquids. And, and I prayed. I said, God, you know what? I need to hear from you. I need to have peace about this. I need to know what you would want from me and from us. And, and, and I believe that God is at work. And I believe that we have an incredible opportunity. And if Jesus is who he says he is, then he deserves first place in my life and in your life, in all areas of life, above all things and before all things. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a book. It's called Colossians. And Paul is writing this book from a prison cell because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And what has happened is the Colossian church gave birth and they were moving right along. And then what happened is they drifted from Jesus being first in their life. They drifted from him being above all things and before all things. They drifted from him having preeminence in their life. And what happened is the world had influenced their church. Sound familiar? 
And now what happens is Jesus was important to him, but Jesus wasn't first. Jesus was important to him, but he wasn't supreme. Jesus was important to them, but he didn't have a, a preeminence in their life. And Paul was saying, listen, the only way that you're going to influence, the only way that you're going to impact Rome and its colonies is for Christ to be first. And by the way, that's the only way that you're going to impact your kids. You're not going to impact your kids by bringing them to church. You're going to impact your kids by them knowing mom and dad has Jesus Christ as first in their life. That's the only way it works. And so in, in Colossae, their attitude was find a God that will work for you. And so what their philosophy was is that they would adjust the truth to their life, kind of like today. We live however we want to live. And we just say, well, let, let me tell you why I can do this and why I can't do that. Okay, and so what happens is purity doesn't even concern anybody anymore. Our sexuality doesn't concern us anymore. What happens is we just, we just adjust the truth to whatever feels good. And that's what they had. They had a feel-good God, and they would create it. And, and, and he would be important to them, but the only problem is he couldn't be Lord. And Jesus is either a liar, he's either a lunatic or he's Lord. And if he's Lord, then he deserves to be first in all places of my life and your life. And that's what I'm going to call us to. It's what God's calling me to. And so Paul writes this letter to be able to, to reestablish, to get them realigned because the culture was shaping the church instead of the church shaping the culture. And here's what he writes. He says, for this reason, we have not stopped praying for you since the day we heard about you. We've asked God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through every kind of spiritual wisdom and insight. What is the, what, what is the, the, the wisdom and the knowledge of God? Is that you love him with all of your heart, soul, and mind? He goes on, he says, we ask this so that you will live the kind of lives that prove you belong to the Lord. He's saying, you, you, you guys need to be living a life that, that no one would question whether you are a Christ follower, that everybody would see by your attitude, by your appetites, by your actions, that you are a Christ follower. He says, that's my prayer is that your behavior, your life, your lifestyle would prove that. He goes on, he says, then you will want to what? Please him in every way. Then you will want him to be first as you grow in producing every kind of good work by this knowledge about God. You see, he is setting a tone here. He is letting them know, you know what my concern is, is that you live a life that will prove that you belong to Christ, that he is your Lord, that he is your, your, your savior, that he has preeminence in your life. And so he sets out to let them know that he's concerned and that he has been praying for them. And I've been praying for us that we would be a church not known to being a large church, not known to being a multi-site church, not knowing for this ministry or that ministry, but that we would be a church that would, would convey the truth that he is above all things and he is before all things and that he has preeminence in all things. And so Paul lets them know that he's been praying for him. And then he writes these words. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Paul is reminding them who Jesus is. And he says, Jesus is the one who has revealed the Father. 
He is the one who has revealed the Father. Jesus would say things like this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he says he is the image of the invisible God. The word there, image, means copy. It means exact copy, which is expressed in the deity of Christ. He's basically saying the Jesus that I've told you about and that I've taught you about and that I've trained you in, he is God. And anything you know about God has come through the person of Jesus Christ, that, that, that he is the firstborn of creation, that he is the firstborn of resurrection, that he is the firstborn of all things and all things have been created by him and for him and through him. And that's why he is worthy to have preeminence in your life because he is God in the flesh and he has revealed the father. Paul continues as he writes and he, 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 he says this, he himself existed and is before all things, meaning that, you know what? He wasn't created. When he says firstborn, he's not saying like, I would say of Caleb, Caleb's our firstborn. He's saying firstborn is he always existed, okay? And in him, all things hold together. He is the, check this out. He is the controlling cohesive force of the universe. That means that he never dials 911. He's always in control. He's never out of control. He is also the head, the life source, and the leader of the body, the church. That's us. And he is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will occupy first place. He's saying, hey, let me tell you, he will occupy first. God doesn't do seconds. People who think that God does seconds are religious. They've made Jesus important. They haven't made Jesus king. And so it doesn't work that way. He says he will stand supreme and be preeminent in what? Most things? No, in everything. What is he saying? He's writing this letter and he is saying, listen, gang, you're out of alignment. Jesus is important, but he isn't first. He doesn't have preeminence in your life. He's not supreme anymore. And you've allowed the world to influence you. You've adjusted uh, truth to your life instead of adjusting your life to truth. And what he is saying is that he rules the future. He rules the future. Jesus is not only God. He not only reveals the Father, but he is the one who is the controlling source of everything that happens in life. And Paul is talking about the one who rules the universe. He's got the whole world in his hands, past, present, and future. And he says, you want to know what the world is coming to? The world is coming to Jesus. All things are created by him and for him, and it will all climax in him. You see, we're, 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 we're going to a linear, we're, we're going towards Christ. And one day he will stand upon the earth and he will be king of kings and Lord of lords so that there'd be no doubt People doubt it, but at that time, there'll be no doubt because he will rule and reign in a way that, that, that he has never done before, but he's ruling the future. And so what do I have to worry about the future? I have, listen, I have nothing to worry as long as Christ is first in my life. God takes full responsibility of the man or the woman who is fully surrendered to him. You say, Dwight, are you worried about the world falling apart? I'm not because he holds it all together. That's what it says. He holds it all together. He, he has it in the palm of his hand. He is the one who set out all the stars. He is the one who fuels the sun. 
He is the one who causes everything to work in our world. And because of that, he is worthy of being first in all things. He stands supreme over everything in life. And Jesus is the key to the mystery of history because he rules the past, he rules the present, he rules the future. And history has a date with him. You say, are are, are you worried about the economy? I'm not. You worried about the political world? I'm not. You worried about the balloons in the air? I'm not. I'm not worried about all of that. You know, people will ask me, hey, Dwight, let's talk some theology. What, 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 do you believe in pre-trib, post-trib, or mid-trib? I said, I believe in pan-trib. It's all going to pan out. <laughs> I don't have to worry about any of that. It's fun to study. It's fun to look at. But nobody knows. Nobody knows. The only thing that we know is that Jesus rules the future. He's large and he's in charge. And I have nothing to worry about. Paul goes on to make his case. He says, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, been there, done that, right? But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I can stand before God guiltless with no shame, being whole and being complete. That's what he's saying. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. What's the gospel say? Jesus is God. He revealed the Father. He rules the future. And he reconciled the loss. That's the gospel. This is the gospel. Jesus came to reveal the Father, to prove that he himself was God. He came to prove that he ruled the future. He predicted his own death and his own resurrection, and he carried it out. Anybody want to argue with him ruling the future? And he reconciled the loss. He reconciled mankind. He made us right with God. That's incredible. And so Paul says this. He says, he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. It's the only way it works. It's the only way that the Christian life works. The Christian life works only one way, and that is full surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It doesn't work any other way. I talked to hundreds and hundreds of people. My mom and dad went to church, but they were religious. You know what that tells me? He wasn't Lord. (laughs) You okay? (laughs) Because when, when he's first in your life, people know that. Because your life revolves around him, not around you. And Paul is saying, you started off so well, and yet somebody has interrupted your race, your, your race that you've been running. You, you, you understood that Jesus was king, was Lord, but now you've just made him important. Now you've just made him another thing in your life that's important, another priority in your life. But what I would say is this, the, the paper that you write your priorities on, he's the paper. He's not a chapter in your book. He's the book. We're not asking him to be a part of our story. He's asking us to be a part of his story, of his work. You see, let me explain it to you this way. I've got a lovely wife, Patty. Some of you don't believe I'm married, but I am. And it would be like me telling her, you know what, Patty? I just want you to know I've got a number of other women in my life. 
but you're my favorite. Above all the other women in my life, honey, you're my favorite. I'll spend your birthday with you. I'll spend Christmas with you. I'll do Easter with you. I'll do these different things with you because you're my favorite girl. Above all the other women I got in my life. You'd say you're crazy. Yeah, but that's how we treat Jesus. Y'all okay? He's just one of many other important things in our life. He doesn't do that. He's a jealous God. He can't be one of many other commitments. He can't be one of many other priorities. He can't be one of many other importance. He just can't. And we have good reason to make him first, not just the spiritual sense, but here's what I believe here. The health of your mind determines the capacity for your duplicity. See, the reason why I think that that we struggle so much with mental health, because we're living double lives. what's, What's going on the inside is not being reflected on the outside. And what happens is the quickest and the fastest way to go, to go. I, I've told my wife, if I ever have an affair on you, I'll have a nervous breakdown because I can't live the double life. I can't, there's no way I can do it. And what happens is we have a lot of people trying to live a double life with Jesus, trying to make him to be important. But the fact of the matter is he's not first. He, he doesn't have preeminence. And so what happens is our mind goes crazy because of the duplicity that we try to play. And here's what scripture has to say. And it's from James, the half-brother of Jesus. A double-minded man is unstable and restless in all of his ways. Does that describe America today? Unstable and restless in all of his ways? In everything he thinks and feels and decides, he's double-minded. That's headed for a nervous breakdown. That's headed for a train wreck, a crash. Because Jesus himself said, you can't serve two masters. You just can't do it. And so how do I begin to practically live out and be able to take steps? I want to just share with you just a couple of things quickly. First of all is give Jesus the first moments of the day. And what I mean by that is, hey, you know what? Before you talk to anybody else, talk to him. Talk to him. Here's what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, each morning I will look to you in heaven and lay my requests before you, praying earnestly. And so that's one of the things that I do. I, 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 wanna, I need to talk to God before I talk to anybody else because I don't know what today's gonna hold. And I need to be reminded that he rules the future and that anything that comes my way today, he can handle. So I give him the first moments of my day and I align myself with him. Secondly, is you give him the first day of the week, by the way, that's today. We're done with the weekend, I hope you know. The first day of the week is Sunday. Why? Because Jesus rose on the first day of the week. And so what happens is we give him this day to remind ourselves that he is God, that he's revealed the Father, that, that he rules the future, that he has reconciled us, and that, that, that we are free from sin. And so what happens is we kick off the week in the right way. Here's, here's what Luke records. On the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. Why? Because they lived in a fallen world just like you and I live in a fallen world. And if I don't get my mind right, if I don't have the right mindset for the week, then what happens is it will crumble um, underneath me and I will fall apart. And then the third one is give Jesus the first gift. That's the 10% of my income, okay? 
Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, Whoever, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. God doesn't need my money. He doesn't need your money. What he wants is your heart, but your money represents your heart because wherever you put your money, that's your heart. You, you, can, you can find out where my heart is. All you have to do is look at my, my bank account and you'll find out quickly where my heart is because you'll find out where all my money's going. And that's what Jesus said here. And the Deuteronomy writer, Moses said, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. And so God says, hey, you know what? I, I, I want you to put me first above all things because I rule the future. I know the economy. I deal with the inflation. I deal with all of that. And, and, and so we need to be able to do that. And so those are some initial steps along with those seven areas that you can begin to ask the Lord, speak to me. I want you to have preeminence in my life. I want you to be first because I want to be of the right mind. I don't want to be a double-minded person. I want you to check out this picture here. It'll come up. It's the Lord's Supper. It's the Last Supper. Da Vinci did this. Isn't it beautiful? Da Vinci, when he painted this, he asked one of his friends to critique it. And, and he said, hey, I want you to look at this, critique this, give me feedback on it. And so his friend did, and his friend came back, and Da Vinci asked him, he said, what's the most striking thing about my picture? And his friend said, the gold cup. He said, what? He said, the gold cup. Da Vinci immediately called forth his, his paint and his brushes. And he went to the picture and he, he painted over the gold cup. And he said, I will have nothing in my picture that will distract from the face of my master. Wow. Do you know that you're a painting? Ephesians tells us that we're his masterpiece. He's painting a picture in your life and in my life. He's painting a picture collectively. And my prayer for me, my prayer for us is that there'd be nothing in my life that would distract anybody from the face of my Savior. That people would know, you know what? You're not a perfect man, not a perfect leader, but I detect that you're in love with Christ. That he's preeminent in your life. That he has that. And that's what God's desire is for you and me. It's the only way that it works. That, that's, that's why, li, li, listen to me, that's the only way that marriage works. Why do we get divorces? Let me tell you why we get divorces, because we got distractions in our life. <laughs> that's why. And that's why marriage is the picture of the church. Because God is saying, hey, Dwight, you know what? Your love, your affection should be directed towards Patty and her alone. She should have your heart. You know why? Because your love and your affection should be directed towards me and me alone. You see, listen, I was telling somebody after the, the first service, the first person that Dwight always forsakes is Jesus. Always Jesus. Not Patty, it's not my kids, it's not the staff, it's not you, it's not my friends. The first person that I always go sideways with is Jesus because if he's first, then all things are first. He's a God of order. And so we've seen what God has done and will do. And my belief is this. I'm saying to God, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Do something in my heart, in my life, our hearts and our lives, because our world desperately needs, desperately needs a church 
who has placed Jesus above all things and before all things. It's the only way that it works. Otherwise, we become white noise to a world that desperately needs to hear the truth. Imagine what would happen if all of us who call New Point their home would become fully engaged and look at those seven areas and just say, God, I want you to be first in my, my relationship with you, my family, my career, my, my personal development, my finances, all of that. I want you to be first. You know what would happen? Something incredible. And the church would be the church. And the church would influence the culture instead of the culture influencing the church. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you speak to our hearts. Even when they've grown cold, even when they've become calloused, you never give up on us. You never give up on us. You've never given up on me. You always gently and lovingly come and speak and convict and challenge. And let me know that you love me. Let me know that you believe in me. And God, you do that to all of your kids. And I pray today that we would move beyond you being important, but that you would be first, that you would have preeminence in all of our lives because you're painting a picture. And God, I don't want anything. I don't believe any of us want anything to distract the world from you but that they would see who you are, that you reveal the Father, that you rule the future, and that you are the reconciler of mankind to God. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.